Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Please join us at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. You can also find us at acons.substack.com and also at brightnews.com. Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West is a combat veteran, having served the United States Army for 22 years. He was a member of the 112th Congress, serving as representative of Florida. He was also the state chair for the Republican Party of Texas and a gubernatorial candidate for the state of Texas. He is currently the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. He also is the author of three books and the host of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Welcome back to the show. Well, it's good to be with you, Marie, and uh, happy 187th Texas Independence Day, March the 2nd, 1836, Texas uh, declared its independence. The only state in the United States of America that has its own declaration of independence, its own Independence Day, and fought and won its own independence. It's a great day to be a Texan. Yes, it is. Now, you just came back from Washington, D.C., where you met with members of the House Second Amendment Caucus. We have a clip that we're going to show right now. Greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, the Executive Director of the American Constitutional Rights Union and also a board member of the Second Amendment Institute. uh, Ten years ago, 1708 Longworth Building, that was my office when I was a member of Congress. And I'm back up here on Capitol Hill right now to talk about some of our Second Amendment legislation. First and foremost, H.R. 38, which is national reciprocity for concealed carry holders, because if your driver's license, you can take that in a car in all 49 states. Why can't you take your concealed carry license? H.R. 53, the Firearms Industry Non-Discrimination Act. If you remember Operation Choke Point, where the Obama administration in cahoots with Eric Carter really tried to choke down and separate financial institutions away from the firearm industry. We got to make sure that we support that. And also, HR 95, Jeff Duncan, a former colleague of mine, and that is the Hearing Protection Act. We got to make sure the suppressors are not treated as a weapon in and of itself. So, we're up here to talk about support of members of Congress for HR 38, HR 53, and HR 95. So, please contact your members. Make sure they are sponsors, co sponsors, and also we can get this passed. God bless you all. Take care. So tell us a bit about what you did, what happens now, and what our listeners can do. Well, I think it's so important that the listeners, they uh, contact their members of Congress and they get them, if they're not an original sponsor, that they can co-sponsor this legislation. These, And it's not just that they are going to try to retract the Second Amendment. They're going to try to chip away at it from the periphery. Uh, the other thing that uh, we are, were up there about, and they have introduced a new House joint resolution, the ATF back in January came out with this new rule 
about uh, pistol braces. And what they're really trying to do is create millions of Americans, turn them into uh, felons overnight. And so that's another uh, piece of legislation that we want to make sure that does not, you know, well, it gets passed so that we don't have a, a government agency trying to make rules. So we want to get that passed through the uh, committees. Uh, of jurisdiction and the House of Representatives and then get it to the floor for a vote. Uh, Republicans have the majority there. We only need 218 votes. Do we think these pieces of legislation will get through with the United States Senate? No, but I think it's a great thing to hold the left, uh, these leftist uh, legislators, their feet to the fire because we're going to show that what they want to do, they want to uh, the increase of crime because they're releasing more violent criminals on the streets. They are not protecting our border, so you have more MS-13 and even terrorists come across that border. We have a drug, a human, and a sex trafficking crisis, but we want we continue to hear about them defunding police and removing support from the thin blue line, and now they want to make sure we can't protect ourselves. So this is a critical issue for us going forward. In a recent monologue for Steadfast and Loyal, you mentioned that it isn't just the Second Amendment that is endangered, but the First Amendment as well. Can you give us an example of this? Well, sure. The The bottom line is, first and foremost, the founding fathers knew that you had to have something that backed up the First Amendment rights, which are passive rights, freedom of religion, free exercise thereof, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, right to petition your government for redress of grievances, freedom of the press. Uh, that can easily be taken away from you if you don't have the ability to defend those rights. And we see that in all of these countries where you have dictators and autocrats and, and tyrants. And sadly, you have people that want to do that here. So when you look at what has happened with our First Amendment rights, the fact that we have a, a federal government that is working in cahoots, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite words, or collusion, which is one of the favorite words of the left, with a private sector company, Twitter, and maybe some others, probably Google and YouTube, to suppress the freedom of speech and the free expression of American citizens. Uh, think about right now the, the whole story that's come out where you have the uh, Department of Energy and you even have the FBI director saying that COVID did come from a lab in Wuhan. It did not come from a wet market. Think about how many people were canceled, kicked off of social media because they were saying exactly that. And so we don't want to see this suppression of truth, suppression of uh, differing uh, thoughts, perspectives, and insights, but that's the way that we're heading. We don't want to see a 1984 type of Orwellian uh, control of uh, information here in the United States of America. Although the media continues to shout about the big lie and insurrection, it's clear that many Americans on the left and right do not have the confidence in our electoral system, nor should we. Uh, in a piece for the ACRU, for example, you wrote about an attempt by the, the supervisor of elections in Harris County to mail out unsolicited ballots. Please tell our listeners about this and explain the significance of it. Yeah, this goes back to uh, 2020. We were in the height of going into the COVID issue. Uh, and Eric Holder wrote a piece in Time magazine that was titled How the Coronavirus Should Change Elections in the United States Permanently. And what did that uh, op-ed piece that he wrote talked about? Unsolicited mail-in ballots. And so, you know, as Rahm Emanuel say, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> 
that's exactly what the left uh, wanted to do. And we had never heard of unsolicited mail-in ballots before. Previous to this, you either voted in person or you apply for an absentee ballot, which is a control uh, item. But now all of a sudden we were having people just mailing out ballots all over the United States of America against voter registration rolls, which in most cases have not been reviewed, have not been updated. Uh, and I think that that was one of the major issues we had in the 2020 election cycle. So the supervisor of elections down in Harris County, uh, which is Houston, Texas, Chris Hollins, who was an officer of the Democrat Party of Texas. I think he was their treasurer and he was appointed by the uh, county judge, the county administrator, Lena Hidalgo. You know, he came up with this scheme where he was going to mail out millions of unsolicited ballots all across Harris County. They were kept in an unsecure location in a warehouse. People were not aware where they were. And think about if he had been successful in getting those ballots mailed out to whatever various locations and, of course, the ballot harvesting uh, that they would attempt to do. Uh, Donald Trump only won Texas by 600,000 some odd votes, maybe 620,000 votes. If those millions of uh, unsolicited mail-in ballots had gotten out there, what difference could that have made in the election even here in Texas? And, you know, that would have caused an incredible landslide of an electoral college when you think about the electoral votes that we have here in Texas. So we've got to do everything possible to eliminate this whole unsolicited mail-in ballots thing, which, you know, again, I, don't, I think that you're either there in person. We need to make sure that if you're going to have early voting, you don't have early voting that starts, you know, in the middle of summer, uh, because it seems <laughs> that we're backing it up further and further and further. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, you know, people can have, you know, a, a good full week of early voting. And then you have, you know, the Sunday and the Monday that you have off so that they can tabulate early voting. And then Tuesday is in-person voting. And I think that uh, National Election Day should be a national holiday. So no one has the excuse, yes. uh, you know, I have work or things of that nature. So those are some of the reforms we need to see happen. But we definitely have to get rid of the unsolicited mail-in ballots, which at the county level, which is where they execute uh, elections, they can do that. And we should note that those are quite different from absentee ballots. Totally different. Totally different from absentee ballots. You know, having been in the military, that's something. Or if you're a person that knows you're going to be away from your voting location, out of the country maybe, you send in and apply for an absentee ballot. And that is something that is tracked. Like I said, it's a controlled item. And then it's mailed back to you specifically. But when we talk about these mail-in ballots, this is just getting a ballot and just firing it out all across the county. And again, when you look at some of these voter registration rolls, which every time you talk about reviewing or updating, the left wants to decry racism, but we know we have a problem there. Now, you also recently spoke at Liberty University. What were you able to impart to the students there? And what did you take away from that experience? Well, what an incredible experience, especially, you know, the world's largest Christian university. And on a Friday morning when they have their convocation, this is every Friday morning, every Wednesday morning, you see the entire student body in there in a praise and worship service, and they have someone that is a guest speaker. And that is encouraging to know that the, the future generation of you know, the body of Christ is being trained there at that university to be in a classroom where the classroom, the class starts with a, a prayer by an instructor. I mean, many of these campuses I've been to, you get tarred and feathered 
if you try to pray <laughs> uh, before your class. But the thing that I want to talk to them about, and I did in a couple of different lecture uh, settings, was the Judeo-Christian faith heritage and that foundation and the establishment of the United States of America. There's no other nation where you see the inalienable rights of the every citizen here, life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness, is endowed to them by the creator God. And so you cannot separate you know, that Judeo-Christian faith heritage from the fabric and the foundation and the fundamentals of this constitutional republic. Uh, and so when you talk to them about where did separation of church and state really come from, you talk to them about the intricate relationship between Martin Luther and what he established with that Protestant Reformation, John Locke and his natural rights theory, uh, the father of classical liberalism, and then how Thomas Jefferson, and it was great speaking in Virginia and bringing up Thomas Jefferson, how he codified that in the Declaration of Independence. So it was just a very spiritual experience and a very enlightening experience for me. Please share with us your take on the Biden administration in response to the train derailment that affected the lives of so many people in East Palestine, Ohio. Well, it shows that they don't care. You know, if this were a black community, I mean, Al Sharpton and, you know, everybody else, all the cats and dogs, the normal race hustlers, they would be there. And the Biden administration, Kamala Harris would be there talking about how we've got to give support to them and we've got to, you know, taxpayer funds need to go to them. But these were white, uh, blue collar, middle to lower income uh, people out in Ohio. So guess what? They don't care. They're probably the people that did not vote for them. That's their mentality. That's what they're thinking. And so uh, they're not on our priority list. Uh, and when you look at you know how they're trying to take this contaminated water and contaminated dirt, and I'm sure pushing it to areas that are quite questionable, uh, this just shows the heart of the progressive socialist left and that they don't care about all Americans. Their policies are not meant for all Americans. Their policies are one, one or two things. It's meant for the people that believe what they believe, or it's meant to go against the people that don't believe what they believe. And, you know, this is not about unification. Uh, Joe Biden has not been about that. It's been about complicity. It's been about compliance. And if you're not on board with them, they don't care, and they will do everything that they possibly can to ruin your way of life. And it is sad what is happening there because there's going to be long-term ramifications yes. and effects. And the fact that on President's Day in the United States of America, Americans woke up and they saw their president, not at East Palestine, no. uh, you know, Palestine, but in a foreign country and pledging millions of dollars, half $500 million to them, you know, instead of yeah. making that pledge to us here in the United States of America and the people there in Ohio. And to your point, you know, one of the scary things that I read after the fact was that there is a train headed to Texas with some yeah. of that waste that they're going to inject into a, ha a hazardous waste facility into the ground. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Well, it's Texas. And think about the the absurdity. Uh, I don't know if you saw the clip, but Joy Behar on The View who actually, you know, tried to say that this is what those people get for voting for Trump. That's the left's mentality. Mm -hmm. and, and it is such a horrible, dangerous, tyrannical mentality. And you just have to feel for those people there in, uh, in Ohio because their own presidential administration has abandoned them. And when you look at the anger and the uh, from the mayor of East Palestine, you get a sense that they feel abandoned. 
and very well so they do. And then you have, you know, uh, Mayor Petey show up and, you know, you know, for his little photo op, but, you know, two, almost three weeks too late. And then, yeah. of course, his, his uh, insidious comment, uh, excuse me, I lost my train of thought. How disrespectful, you know, these yeah. people are. Speaking of uh, the president being half a world away, uh, we recently saw the one-year anniversary of the Russian uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Many on the left and the right have been increasingly vocal about their demand uh, that the U.S. stop funding the Ukrainian resistance. Would it be emboldening to Russia and other political aggressors such as China, a country still staring hungrily at mm -hmm. Taiwan if we did? Well, first and foremost, they are emboldened and they're encouraged because of what they saw happen in Afghanistan, a complete military debacle. And, you know, you look at what uh, the last time Russia made an incursion into Ukrainian territory, that was in the Obama administration. So weakness is enticing. And that's exactly what they see with this present Biden administration. So I don't think anyone would say that we should not support their ability to defend their territorial integrity and their sovereignty. We don't want to see uh, indiscriminate targeting of innocent women and children and civilians like we see there in Ukraine. Uh, the most important thing is that they need to be able to uh, cover their airspace. They need to have dominance of their own airspace. When the president of uh, Ukraine asked for MiG fighters, he didn't ask for F uh, F-18s. He didn't ask for F-35s, 22s, A-10s. He asked for MiGs, things that they are used to fly. And we should have said, absolutely, we'll work with NATO countries and, and get that to you. Shoulder fire surface-to-air missiles, longer-range artillery systems. I don't think anyone would disagree about those things being supplied and talk about the task and purpose why. But when we're talking about, what, $150 billion now, you're talking about paying off their pensions and, and, and rent and welfare programs and everything for Ukraine. That's not what's supposed to be happening, especially when we have homeless and jobless veterans here in the United States of America. We have a border that's wide open. We have a fentanyl crisis, human and sex trafficking crisis. You saw what just happened there in East Palestine. Uh, that's where our resources should be going. And if anyone should be stepping up to the plate, it should be the European nations because uh, they don't want to see the dark specter of a tyrant uh, and a dictator like Vladimir Putin uh, be on their doorsteps. Look at what has happened in Moldova. This is, again, Russian undermining of a sovereign nation in Moldova. So we have a clear and present threat. And we do have a clear and present. Our number one geopolitical threat is China. But the most important thing with China, economically, we need to be bringing back our supply chains. We need to uh, get our naval surface warfare fleet back stronger than what it is, because right now China is uh, near pacing or outpacing us as far as maritime service capability and capacity. And we just have to get tougher on these individuals. And when you think about this fentanyl issue, this is a chemical war attack of China against the United States of America, just as COVID was a biological uh, agent attack against the United States of America. Well, let's do a deeper dive into that. Uh, our government has finally admitted, after much foot-dragging, uh, conservative bashing, and uh, shaming, uh, that the COVID virus may have originated in a lab in China. Why is the Biden administration just now admitting, uh, at least to some degree, what we knew and what they likely knew we knew? 
three years ago? Well, I think the for whatever reason, the Biden administration is, is com, uh, compromised in this relationship with China. And, and I think we all know that from the, the Hunter Biden laptop and, and that relationship. But for whatever reason, I just think that the Biden administration does not want to have a confrontation with China uh, to this day. As far as I know, and as far as I've been reading, uh, he has never confronted Xi Jinping. And you know, the Chinese would not have been getting rid of evidence, would not have been scrubbing down that lab, would not have, uh, they didn't allow any outside countries to be able to come in there. And of course, right. China, you know, owns the World Health Organization in the United Nations. So who cares what the World Health Organization says? There is no way feasible or possible that this could have come from some bats that live like some 900 miles away from Wuhan or some pangolins, uh, things of that nature. This was something that was manufactured. And, you know, we, we have got to ask some tough questions of people like Dr. Anthony Fauci and his support to the gain of function research, because there's no doubt about it. This was something that was created in a laboratory. Somehow it got out. And we know that China tried to suppress any of the doctors that were there, uh, suppress any information about uh, the origins of this. And so I, I think that where there's smoke, there's a whole lot of fire. <laughs> now, Zelensky and the Pentagon have issued warnings to China against their assisting Russia with non-lethal aid. Zelensky is quoted as saying that if China allies itself with Russia, there will be a world war. How much of an escalation do you think it would be if China supplied Russia with weapons and how likely is it that they would do so? Well, because a proxy war battlefield, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, we don't have the real moral high ground to be able to say anything to China because we're so dependent upon China and we have allowed China to get away with so much. Uh, so that's my big concern right now. And I think the Chinese have expressed that very case. And Xi Jinping is going to be heading to Russia to do a summit. So if Joe Biden was serious about this, he would restore our uh, energy uh, independence, restore our mm -hmm. oil and gas exploration and then take that liquefied natural gas and supply it to, to Europe. So you put an economic hurt on, uh, on Vladimir Putin. And then furthermore, you make sure that no uh, energy exports from uh, you know, Russia or Iran can get to any other nations other than you know, maybe China. So we have got to shrink their sphere of influence. We have to shrink their economic impact globally. We have to shrink their energy impact globally. And that's not something that you see happening because the Biden administration is more so concerned about the, the horrible Green Deal, which just does one thing. It undermines our ability to be on the high ground with energy independence. And so everyone sees this and they just laugh at Joe Biden when he makes these uh, veiled threats. Now, a Russian ally who has not been shy about providing Russia with arms is Iran. Yes. Which, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, is on the verge of having a nuclear weapon. What, if anything, can the United States do uh, to avoid having to share the planet with a nuclear armed terrorist mm -hmm. nation? 
Well, I don't think that we have to worry about the United States doing something about it. I think that Israel will do something about it. And history shows that being in uh, Iraq, being in Syria, uh, they do not play around with a country like Iran or any uh, type of threatening uh, country to be able to attain that type of nuclear weapon power because they know that they're the first target. And then the United States would end up being the second target. So when you look at the drones that are being supplied from Iran and, you know, you still have these ruminations, you know, some backroom discussions about reentering the and restarting the Iranian nuclear agreement. We should be doing everything possible to put the, uh, the sanctions and the clamp down on Iran. You know, when you had the young people taken to the streets once again, as they did during the Obama administration to uh, stand against the, the Iranian ayatollahs and the regime there, this Biden administration did nothing to support them. And that's why I think you see people like Saudi Arabia and others realizing that, you know, the Abraham Accords and the strength that you saw in the Trump administration, this is gone. And that's caused a lot of uh, disconcerting uh, emotions across the Middle East. So I don't think you have to worry about what the United States is going to do. I think, you know, Israel and backdoor channels, Saudi Arabia, because they're a target of Iran as well, what they, in conjunction, will make sure happens to ensure that Iran does not become a nuclear power. Senator Cotton, who uh, was said to be repeating a debunked corona, uh, coronavirus conspiracy theory for correctly suggesting that the virus may have been a lab leak, said this week that, quote, being proven right doesn't matter. What matters is holding the Chinese Communist Party uh, accountable so that this doesn't happen again, end quote. In your opinion, if it was up to you, uh, how could China be held accountable for exposing the world to a virus that is said to have killed over a million Americans and nearly mm -hmm. 7 million people worldwide? Well, I think first and foremost, we should petition for China to be removed from the United Nations and definitely be removed from the Security Council. And if that's not the case, then the United States will withdraw all financial support to the United Nations. We got to get our supply chains, especially our medical supply chains out of there. We have got to start looking at how we uh, have less of our private sector corporation investment uh, into China. We can look at other places where they can be. Uh, and we have to tell these corporations, you want to do business in China, you're on your own. But because we're not going to be that lifeline to China, we have to look at taking away their uh, trade, uh, their their ability to be in the World Trade Organization, their most favorite uh, trade nation status. We got to bring these jobs back here. And I think also we need to look at these students and these professors uh, here in uh, the United States of America. They have some ties back to to China because, look. The, the theft of intellectual property, the forced transfer of technology, all of these things are happening. And we got to put a kibosh on that very quickly and send that message to China. And, and again, the most important thing is our energy independence. You know, we should not be talking about, you know, making ourselves subservient to OPEC nations. We should not be talking about making ourselves subservient to the World Health Organization, which is just an extension of China, uh, communist China. Uh, and, and that's something that the Biden administration is trying to do. So those are very simple acts that we can uh, we can take. And we have to be uh, stronger in our relationships with China and Japan as well. And again, we have to stop worrying about proper pronouns and wokeness in the military <laughs> and get our military back to being a strong national defense arm. That's right.
Now, according to reports, North Korea has missiles capable of hitting the United States mainland and is working on being able to arm those missiles with mm -hmm. nuclear weapons. How would you characterize the Biden administration's response to this threat? It, it's feckless. It's non-existent. It's, it's weak. Uh, and that's enticing. And so what you see happening and developing in the world today is a new axis. I mean, we saw the axis of World War II, this new axis, if you want to call it an axis of evil, uh, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. And let's not forget the resurgence of Islamic jihadism. Uh, and that's a big concern when you have a wide open border because the transnational narco-criminal terrorists that we call the cartels, they'll accept anyone's money to get them into the United States of America. And they control, they have operational control of our border. We do not. And so when you look at all of these things, the confluence of them coming together does not bode well for you know our national security footprint. And that's all because you have someone that is not respected, not regarded on the international stage whatsoever. Now, we just uh, finished Black History Month, mm -hmm. and as we talked about last time that you were here, you had a number of profiles of amazing Black uh, figures in history. And, you know, of course, as is always the case, you hear on social media, well, what about White History Month and how come blah, 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 um, which drives me a little crazy. And you and I have talked about this a number of times, but I just kind of want to codify it here. Um, you know, you and I don't believe in identity politics, but we no. have talked about the fact that, you know, there are things to be proud about uh, considering the struggles that our people have gone through. And there's no shame in being proud of those accomplishments that uh, black history is history. It's all of our, it's interwoven. It's a tapestry. Mm -hmm. It's a fabric. So how would you respond to those who would say, well, what about white history or that, that it's some sort of a, a identity politics ploy? No, I don't think it's an identity politics ploy, but I think it's that one opportunity in the year where we can elevate and illuminate people about some of these unheard of people like, you know, the real McCoy, where did that come from? Or the uh, the first, you know, black naval uh, vessel commander, uh, you know, who captured the USS Planner, a Confederate gun running boat. That was Robert Smalls. Or you talk about Booker T. Washington. Or you talk about Dr. Charles Drew, or Madam C.J. Walker. You talk about the first black graduate of West Point, Henry O. Flipper. Uh, so many different people that we can talk about that are part of the fabric of the United States of America. Uh, we talked about Mr. Armistead, you know, our really first double agent and spy during the Revolutionary War. So these, it's an opportunity to not allow the woke left to, you know, prescribe and dictate the narrative on, you know, critical race theory and cultural Marxism and all of that that divides us, but really to talk about those key individuals who have been a part of the history of the United States of America that many times would go unheard of and unseen. That's absolutely right. If you're just joining us, our guest this segment has been Lieutenant Colonel Alan B. West. Alan, how can our listeners continue to follow your work and find you online? 
Well, sure. You can find us out there on all of the uh, social media platforms, except for TikTok, because we don't support the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, we're out there on Substack. We have a, a, a great podcast, That Fast and Loyal. You can follow us and the work that we do with the American Constitutional Rights Union at theacru.org. And we have three books out there that we have written, and you can get those on Amazon. Excellent. As always, thank you for being our guest on African-American Conservatives. We'll see you next time. My pleasure. And don't forget uh, this month in March, I think it's the 24th and 25th, is the Black Conservative Summit up there in Chicago and Tinsley Park. And thank God that Lori Lightfoot is no longer going to be the mayor of Chicago. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Marie. This is the part of the show where we bring in DK. Come on in, DK. Hola. Hey, how's it going? Okay, how's Texas? Oh, it's awesome. You know, Independence Day, we just celebrated here in Texas. So pretty, pretty awesome. I always say Texas is my second favorite state, so. Which is your first favorite? <laughs> New Jersey. No, it's not your first favorite. <laughs> Come on. No. Jersey is the best. All right. What are we talking about today? What do you have on your brain? Well, I was just very happy and relieved to hear Alan West's comments about what he called the new axis of evil um, taking over the world or presenting such a danger to the United States. You know, um, there are so many people on the left and the right now, even people who identify as conservatives, who don't seem to want to recognize the growing threat. You know, you hear comments like, why are we funding Ukraine when we could be funding, yeah. uh, you know, college education or the homeless crisis or veterans, veterans, you know? And, yep. and there's definitely a point to that, but we have to chew gum and walk at the same time yeah you know because the threat itself is too dangerous to take lightly i want to read a comment that um zuleski said a few days ago that I, it was um widely taken out of context especially on the right but i think what he said is very important quote the United States is never going to give up on NATO member states. If it happens so that Ukraine, due to various opinions and weakening, depleting of assistant losses, Russia is going to enter Baltic states, NATO member states, and then the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war. And they will have to fight because it's NATO that we're talking about, and they will be dying, God forbid, because it's a horrible thing. I wish peace and Ukrainian support to the United States. So I think I think he's spot on. Um, what's going on in Ukraine is much bigger than the nation of Ukraine. Uh, Russia has every intention, by every indication, to not stop at Ukrainian borders. Uh, I think they will be satisfied for a while with just annexing Eastern Ukraine. So they have that easy access to Crimea for their supplies, their fuel and so forth. But they, they do intend to go much further with that. And I wanna show what a former Russian president said just a few days ago. 
this is uh, from former Russian President Medvedev, and you can see Medvedev floats idea of pushing back Poland's borders. Former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev said on Friday that the only way for Moscow to ensure a lasting peace with Ukraine was to push back the borders of hostile states as far as possible, even if that meant the frontiers of NATO member Poland. So you see that they're already saying that after Ukraine, Poland, they want Poland's borders pushed back. And, and who knows what, what that's going to lead to? It could be the scenario that Zelensky just mentioned that we'll have to send our sons and daughters to fight Russia because, you know, Poland's a NATO state. It could it could be very bad. And and like Alan West said, it's not just Russia. Uh, China is staring at Taiwan, you have Iran, we have uh, North Korea suddenly firing missiles, uh, trying to get a missile that can hit the United States while carrying nuclear weapons. So, so basically I'm just speaking out against this recent wave of isolationism and the conservative movement. You know, the world is in a bad spot. We have to get prepared for what's going on around us. That's absolutely right. It's scary because, you know, when President Trump got into office, like, oh, you know, orange man going to have nuclear codes, you know, kind of silly talk. Um, and yet we had, as Alan West alluded to, the historic uh, Abraham Accords and, and the peace treaties and um, so much peace in the Middle East. I mean, I'm 58 years old and as the closest I've ever seen it in my lifetime. Uh, and now we've devolved into this thing where, you know, we're seeing, um, where we're hearing talk of uh, North Korea and Iran and all of these, uh, you know, in addition to all the stuff with Russia and Ukraine. I mean, my whole life has had the Cold War, you know, shadowed over a large part of it until, you know, um, and, and now that's becoming an issue again when we're seeing, you know, uh, Russia kind of flex its muscles. So it is kind of a concerning thing on a geopolitical scale. I mean, obviously, you know, I come from a Christian worldview where uh, I, I know that God's got all of this. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to see uh, all of these players. You know, usually you see a little bit at a time. You see these two nations or whatever, and then it kind of chills off. And then you see, you know, another little skirmish. But, I mean, these are all like big warships that are kind of converging all of a sudden. And, and that is kind of a concerning thought. It's concerning because, uh, again, like Alan West said, they are in excess. You know, China pretty much gave its support for Russia to invade Ukraine, and they've been giving Russia plenty of non-lethal aids ever since. Iran has been giving uh, Russia lethal, lethal aid, drones and missiles and other kind of armaments. So they've been very active in supporting the Ukrainian invasion. So... They're working together. It's a convergence. And it's almost like a, a mafia movie where they divide territory. Like Iran will take over Iraq and all these other Mideastern yeah. states. Afghanistan, which we foolishly left. Um, with weapons. With weapons. With weapons. Big, big weapons. weapons. 
So they say, Iran, you take these countries, uh, Putin, you go after Europe. You go first. You take uh, first. You take Ukraine. Then you start to threaten Poland, which I just read they're already starting to do. You then use your use your economic might, uh, your almost monopoly over European energy, something that Trump predicted would happen and warned against to really uh, browbeat uh, Europe into compliance. And China, you have North Korea, threaten, threaten South Korea, threaten Japan, threaten Taiwan, and Africa, you say the rise of is, is Islamic terrorism, you know, Boko Haram and so forth, which will yeah. very easily align with uh, yes. Iranian interests. So the world is uh, becoming a smaller place. They're, yeah. they're coming at us from all corners. You know, we've got the open border in the south, which makes it easier for them to uh, just walk across and do whatever damage they want to do to us. And... And that's interesting because that's something that I've said from the very earliest days of ACONS, the very earliest days. I said, you know, it wasn't our porous border that we needed to necessarily worry about with human trafficking and sex trafficking, which I acknowledged was a huge issue. And it is a huge issue. In fact, Texas has the two top spots for human and sex trafficking, Dallas and Houston. Um, and Alan has mentioned that a number of times. Um, and I said it wasn't just, you know, the drug trafficking. And we know that fentanyl is a huge issue. Um, and I said it wasn't even just the cartels. And we know that M13 is a huge issue. But I said that we're going to have bad actors from around the world being able to penetrate there because it's just so open. And uh, sure enough, you know, we're going to see some of these folks start to drift into the United States. And then we've got to deal with sleeper cells and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I was just going to say that besides the uh, open border undermining our democracy and damaging our economy, it left us vulnerable to these drugs that are largely uh, supported by foreign actors who are hostile to us, you know. Did you see that crazy viral, I guess it's on some, maybe it might be the social media channel that we cannot mention in front of Colonel West, but uh, there was a video of these people slicing open avocados. Have you seen that? And it's got the drugs inside the avocados, inside the pit of the avocado. It's crazy. It's viral right now. It's insane. Oh, they goodness. are coming up with insane ways to bring this stuff into this country and, you know, making it look like candy, which is attractive to children. Um, and so this has got to stop. This is just insanity. And this open borders nonsense just to get a voting block is nuts because it leaves your folks completely vulnerable on the border. Exactly. It's um, and I see the avocado video, but I did I did see the video of the mother who lost two of her sons to fentanyl. They didn't even know they were taking fentanyl. You know, fentanyl is so easy to hide, and you know, you can go to a, a restaurant, crumble it up, and leave it in a salt shaker. You know, it it just makes us so vulnerable. And thus, you have the rise of meth, uh, heroin. You can walk through the streets of San Francisco, seeing these people literally dying on the street. You know, some have drugs now that make people into human zombies. 
They're putting it on money. If you touch money or if you touch a paper, like they'll put something on your windshield, like those flyers for a club or whatever candidate, and you touch it to take it off of your windshield. You're, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. There was a police officer a couple of weeks ago who had to stop a, a criminal who had fentanyl on him and j- just her touching him sent her into a, mm. a, a condition that she immediately required medical care. So yeah. it's, it's a very dangerous thing. And to, to go back, you know, there's this alliance between Russia, China and, and uh, Iran not they threaten us with nuclear weapons they threaten us economically they threaten threaten us militarily and they threaten us with their support of the drug trade and while i agree that um these billions that we're sending to ukraine i wish we could be spending elsewhere and and there's no excuse for for it not being spent elsewhere We, we spend so much money that we should be able to afford supporting Ukraine and our veterans here and protecting our border, which be able to do all of the above. But while I agree that we're spending a lot of money in Ukraine, I really want to push back against the conservatives and other people on the right who say it's not worth it because I think in the long term, it definitely is. I think you're absolutely right. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. Be sure to find us at brightnews.com. You can also find us at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And you can find us at our Substack, which is acons.substack.com. And of course, we always appreciate it if you want to support the show. And if so, please go to anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support and there are three levels of support there starting at just a dollar a month until next time this is marie dk saying goodbye for african-american conservatives the soul of the conservative movement thank you for listening to this episode of african-american conservatives the soul of the conservative movement you can find us online at acons.substack.com, anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And also you can support our work at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support.